This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. And a very good Sunday morning to you, Jessica. I have to ask you about these um, fatal shootings that we've heard about so far this weekend. Uh, there, were, there were three people involved in this one early this morning. Right. It was uh, very early in the morning, just before 1 a.m., and um, three people were shot, one fatally. That was near Fond du Lac Avenue and Baldwin. And then there was another one yesterday morning, I understand. Yes, that was uh, uh, Saturday, even earlier. That was just after midnight Saturday. Um, that was a another victim. That person died at the hospital. That shooting was near 75th and Brown Deer. And yeah, police seeking bo- unknown suspects in both of the shootings. Yeah, I mean, what's really sad, and I don't know if you heard the entire conversation I had with uh, Jeff, Deputy Chief Nicole Waldner last Sunday um, that we aired on WTMJ Conversations, where she talked about the difference between, and she grew up on the north side, and she talked about the differences between how um, young people, you know, especially guys in their teens, 20s, they do, you know, they do tend to get into altercations and how, you know, years ago it would have been settled with this. And now the first thing they do is reach for a gun and how tragic it is, because I I believe all of the individuals involved in this are under the age of 30 and that this is just it's just rampant on the streets these days. Right. Yeah. That, and then that triple shooting, it was police are saying it likely was an, an argument that was happening that, like you're saying, likely was uh, taking to guns. Yeah, just just very, very tragic. All right, Jessica, I know if you get more details, you'll keep us posted on that throughout the morning. And we are here for the next two hours on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. We've got a busy, busy show. Um, I don't I don't know if you have a dog or not, but if you do. Is he or she one of the favorites in the state of Wisconsin? We're going to tell you about the, not just the favorite dog breeds in Wisconsin, but the least favorite. And you might be surprised with what that is. Also, we've got Sandy Max here today. She's from What's on Tap. She's going to talk about her trip to Ireland, and I think maybe Guinness is going to be on tap. There's still time for you to sign up for that. Debbie Lazaga has been taking a look at some of the area's museums, and today is the last day of Museum Week, so we'll hear all about it in a special that you can uh, take advantage of. Also, our consumer expert, Michelle Reinen, has a warning about clicking on those QR codes. And I don't know if you're familiar. We're seeing more and more of those. Uh, not only you see them on your TV screen and in stores, but now you can go to a restaurant and you click on that just to get your menu. And uh, she's going to tell you before you click, you might want to think about it. Also, Mark Cass is here. He's talking about what the hiring of Doc Rivers means to the Bucks, business-wise. Matt Miller is going to talk about the Oscar nominations. And was Barbie really snubbed? Well, say it isn't so. We'll take a look back at the Week in Review. Jessica, of course, is here in the newsroom. Isaac's pushing those buttons. And in just two minutes, it's Matt Sossler and sports. Looks like it's going to be another cloudy, drizzly day today. Uh, And we have 33 degrees at WTMJ at 811. After a double-digit loss Friday night, the Bucks responded with the 141-117 win over New Orleans. Really proud of the guys. Uh... And, and when I say, I mean, you know, the entire team, 
the response was really good. Uh, you know, the questions from beforehand, just talking about why is it that way or whatever, uh, you know, why the, the record. And, you know, look, every game, like I said, takes on its own identity. Uh, but that's the character and, like I said, the competitiveness of the guys. And it was a tremendous response. Bucks interim head coach Joe Prunty. Giannis led the way with 30 points. Damian Lillard closed with 26. Up next, the Bucks travel to take on the defending champion Denver Nuggets Monday night for the first game under the direction of new head coach Doc Rivers. Coverage on WTMJ starts at 7.30. Marquette sophomore Ben Gold matched a season high of nine points, coupled with three double-digit scorers in Marquette's 75-57 win over Seton Hall. I think Ben Gold deserves a ton of credit the last couple games, just taking on a, an expanded role that you know I, I felt for a while that he was ready for. And he, he hasn't blinked, and he's been terrific on the defensive end uh, in both of these games, and obviously doesn't hurt when he makes three threes. Marquette head coach Shaka Smart, the Golden Eagles trailed by six late in the first half before Gold ignited a 56-32 run over the last 24 minutes. Up next, they visit Villanova on Tuesday night. Tip-off on 94.5 ESPN is scheduled for six. It's Championship Sunday in the NFL. In the AFC Championship, the Kansas City Chiefs continue their quest to repeat as Super Bowl champions against the Baltimore Ravens, who haven't made the big game in 11 years. The winner of that game awaits the victor of the NFC Championship game between the San Francisco 49ers, who defeated Green Bay last week, and the Detroit Lions, who seek their first Super Bowl appearance in franchise history. I'm Matt Sossler, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Matt. Well, it looks like we've got some clouds out there again today and uh boy aren't you getting tired of those gray days and we're gonna have your forecast and also coming up we've got mark cass and uh boy that was a big surprise i think this week for a lot of people when we heard about the city of milwaukee taking over northridge he's going to talk about that and so much more it's all ahead on wisconsin weekend morning news eight fifteen. Well, if you're close to the lake, especially this morning, you might still be seeing some fog. It's drizzly out there, cloudy. We're good up to about 38 degrees. Then tonight, mostly cloudy um, and down to 28. Tomorrow, more clouds, high of 40, although there might be a glimpse or two of the sun. Then uh, well, then on Tuesday, it looks like we've got a chance of a rain and a mix early. Mostly cloudy skies, 38 for a high. Same thing on Wednesday and Thursday. Just a lot of clouds and temperatures in the low. 40s, but that certainly beats the weather we were having a couple of weeks ago. In Mequon right now, 33 degrees. Racine has 35. Oconomowoc's at 32. Looks like we're up to 35 at uh, WTMJ at 817. And that means we, um, well, it's time to check in with Mark Cass. He is the editor-in-chief of the Milwaukee Business Journal. Mark, I think a lot of people were taken aback with the big sports story this week, but it's also a business story. And that, of course, is the Bucks firing their coach and hiring Doc Rivers as the new one. What does this mean for the team off the court? Yeah, this was a fascinating one. I don't think a lot of people saw it coming. There have been rumors, speculation about how the team was doing it like that, but for them to make the move and hire a high-profile coach. Obviously, on the court, it's a big deal because obviously the Bucks want to win the championship, but two off the court, it's a big deal because winning, as you and I have talked about many times, is so important to the team in terms of their revenue. How many fans attend games? How many shirts they sell? How many hats they sell? How many hot dogs they sell? Who sponsors the team? It's so important to winning. And there are very high expectations on that team. And they've been drawing great crowds, but there is an expectation. So to make this move showed the fans that the Bucks are all in. The ownership is all in on winning this year. So I think that will pay off. I think hiring a guy like Rivers 
well-known in Milwaukee, obviously went to Marquette, well-liked in Milwaukee, is a smart move, helps their team here locally in terms of people really being involved with the team. I think the other thing to look at off the court is the money that they're spending on this team. Now, think about it. They're still paying the coach from last year who got fired. They're going to now have to pay Adrian Griffith, and they're going to pay their new coach. You know, there's estimates out there that they're going to pay over $20 million alone this year for the three coaches. Three head wow. coaches. That's, I mean, that's a lot of money. Plus, all the assistant coaches are going to change over. So when you think about it, the ownership, you can never call them cheap, that's for sure. But amazing money that's being spent and a commitment to winning here. And the Bucks realize that the window they have here is small as the team gets older, as Giannis and the others get older. It's important, but I'm thinking maybe I want to be a coach for the team. What about you? Just for three or four days and then kind of have them fire me. That'd be great, right? I mean, we're, wow. I mean, $20 million and a couple of those guys aren't even working anymore. How do you like those golden parachutes? <laughs> Let's talk about the other big business news of the week, yeah. and that is the city of Milwaukee finally, after all these years, yeah. key, has taken over ownership of the Northwich Mall. Finally. You said it out loud. I mean, I'm sure you're saying, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they're finally going to own the mall. There's still a very slight chance of appeal. I don't think that's going to happen, and the city is very confident it's not going to happen. And the city should own the mall in a couple of weeks, which should happen over the summer and fall. They will over the next couple of weeks to increase the security They'll put a fence around it. They can make it much more secure in terms of crime and fires that have been happening there. And then it's time to plan for the redevelopment. It's been 20 years, as you and I have talked about it. So now they're going to start the planning process. They're going to involve the neighborhood. They're going to involve the aldermen. As I've been asked this question over the past couple of days, I think what you'll see, Libby, is you'll see a mixed use. You'll see industrial. You'll see probably a small amount of housing. You'll probably see some office, maybe some flex space. But the key thing for the city all along has been jobs. They want jobs on the northwest area of the city, an area where they could use the jobs. And to me, it is the largest site in the city of Milwaukee, redeveloped site. So it's got a huge importance. And I'm just glad it's, I just can't believe after all this time, it's finally going to happen. What a sad story that hopefully now has a very happy ending. Well, and I think the people who live in that immediate area oh my God, are probably yeah. relieved. Well, I even think people like me, I mean, I grew up in Brown Deer, and I rode my bike all the time at this mall. I hung out at the mall. I hung out at the McDonald's that was outside the mall. And to see what's happened over the past 20 years, it's kind of depressing. I think this is important for the psyche of that area, but even more important for jobs, to add jobs in an area of the city where we need them and to redevelop the site. And I just think, I can't believe it took 20 years, but it's finally here and looks like it's finally going to happen. Now, let's talk about another thing I know a lot of people are excited about, and that's another airline adding a new nonstop destination yeah. to and from Milwaukee. What are you hearing? And are we going to see more nonstop flights yeah. added? This one was a bit of a surprise because it came from Frontier Airlines, adding a flight to North Carolina to Raleigh, which was interesting because Raleigh was actually on the list of cities the airport has that a lot of people in Milwaukee are asking to add flights to. So it was good to see that. I think we've seen a trend. You and I have talked to probably, probably in the past year three or four times about Southwest adding flights, about American adding flights. Right now, our airport's in a growth area, which is great. We're adding nonstop. Again, I've talked over and over again about how important it is to have nonstop flights. So yeah, I think you will see more. I think as we've looked at the East Coast, as you looked at the West Coast, New York, L.A., San Francisco, I think there is an opportunity there to add more flights. And the airport, as I've said, wants us to stop driving to O'Hare. How do you stop us from driving to O'Hare? You need to have more nonstop flights. They're doing that, and hopefully people are going to respond to that, and we'll see more airlines adding flights. Because I'd love to go back to the 90s, the early 2000s, when we had more nonstops, and I think we're heading in the right direction now. If only they'd bring back chocolate chip cookies. All right, let's talk another story the Milwaukee Business Journal broke, and that is the retirement of the CEO of Northwestern Mutual, John Schlifsky. Who's going to replace him, and what has that man meant to this community? 
This is a big story. And I'm not sure if everybody understands that. This is one of the largest companies in the country, one of the largest companies in Milwaukee. Thousands of employees, CEO, who's a major player in the city, both inside the walls of NML and outside in terms of what he does in the community. So this is a big deal. Yeah, he has to retire at 65. They have a mandatory retirement at 65, which is very interesting. You don't really hear that very often anymore. So he will retire at the end of 24, be replaced by M. Garen. Big job, big shoes to fill. I don't think you can understate the impact that he's had in our city, John Slisky, what he has meant in terms of this. I mean, you think about NM in terms of the strength of the company and what they've done, but also where they're located and what they've added to the city of Milwaukee since 2011, 2012, when they added the tower. Now they're renovating the tower there, and they're bringing 1,800 more employees into the heart of the city. He believes in the city of Milwaukee, and I think that you cannot understate what it means to have a company like NM invest in Milwaukee and stay here. So I think large shoes to fill, a solid candidate who's going to do a great job, I'm sure, but really taking over an important company and one I'm sure we'll all be watching. And finally, speaking of Northwestern Mutual, you had an executive, an economic executive from that company at an event this past week. What's the message that you're hearing about the economic outlook for 2024 for southeastern Wisconsin and the rest of the country? This was interesting because, you know, we hold this event every year. And I say every year that I'm recording this, so I'm going to play it for them now. In 23, they predicted a recession would happen late in 23 or 24. Obviously, that hasn't happened. It's been slower. But others who spoke at our event a week ago all talked about the possibility of a recession in 24. But they all talked about a soft landing or a small thing, you know, nothing like 08 and 09 when, you know, obviously had the big crash. But they're all still seeing signs of the economy slowing in terms of spending, still having higher interest rates. Inflation has come down, but not all the way down. So there is still is some uncertainty. It may be kind of by sector because there are some industries that are doing strong, like travel. Obviously, airlines are all the time, but there's other industries which are struggling. So the message I'm hearing over and over again is that the economy is going to soften. Throughout 24, there is a chance that you'll see three or four interest rates come down in terms of the Fed, which is a big deal for the housing market. So nothing that's serious, but still a softer recession. The thing I always look at, Libby, with the consumer spending, which is still up, and with the labor market as it is, it's hard to have a recession. So it'll be fascinating to watch if they were true, and I told them all. I'm going to play this recording next year at this time and see if you were right. Just one follow-up question on that. Did any of them say that the presidential election might have an impact on the economy? Oh, yeah. No doubt it is because of the uncertainty, for one, but also looking at the Fed. You know, the Fed is not going to allow or it's going to be very resonant to allow us to have a recession right up against the election because how can impact that election? So, yeah, there's no doubt that it will impact the economy. That's why they're saying kind of late in 24 when this could happen, maybe after the election. All eyes on that race and all eyes on what it could mean to the economy for the future. Well, Mark, we're keeping an eye on you. And I know you'll be you're back with us again words. next you'll, week. You'll never use my words against me. I know that. You say, oh, Mark, he was somewhere in the ballpark. He's almost always right, right? Almost. That's oh, what, what do you mean almost? <laughs> he is always right. <laughs> there you go. Well hey, done, Mark, Libby. I like that. Always great to talk with you. Always great to talk to you, Libby. I'll talk to you next week. And you know what? If you let, if you want to hear more about economic news at uh, 10 o'clock this morning, the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show, Brian and David Wickett are going to be here. And th- this is, I, I found this absolutely fascinating. They talk about mortgage rates here and what people are paying. And they take a look at other countries, especially Turkey. And you, if you think your interest rates are high. Wait till you hear that one. That's going to be this morning right after the 10 o'clock news on WTMJ. 826 and looks like it's 35 degrees in Milwaukee. 
834. Welcome back to the second half hour of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. A little bit later on this half hour, Matt Miller is going to be talking about those Oscar nominations, and I'm a little upset about Barbie. Uh, but first, the president and vice president returned to Wisconsin. There was a bombshell firing by the Bucks, and Mr. Baseball. He turned 90 years old. There's so much more. It's the Week in Review, brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Join me in welcoming our Vice President, Kamala Harris. Vice President Harris sharing the administration's pledge to women seeking abortion services. The government should not be telling her what to do with her body. There's a reason that they put Kamala in the middle of nowhere because they knew Milwaukee would show up. The author of a 14-week abortion ban proposal in Wisconsin is defending her exclusion of exceptions for rape or incest. I have demonstrated my commitment to women's health with support for over-the-counter birth control. But what about exploiting the lives of those who are forced to carry out a pregnancy they do not want? We're trying to get our arms around what's happening in the Racine Unified School District as the district insists that school is on to today, but we understand that some of the buses are having trouble getting around. I do understand that some students may have been dropped back off at home, so we're working to get communication out to those families. Had my four-year-old turned around and been left at the bus stop without my knowledge, I I would absolutely be pursuing a lawsuit. Well, breaking news, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, the Milwaukee Bucks have dismissed head coach Adrian Griffin. Woj also reporting Doc Rivers is among those on a short list of potential permanent replacements. This is a unique situation where it is win now. They didn't think they had that anymore with Adrian Griffin. I thought it was a little bit too early. It was like, wait, what? In the middle of a season, he's been doing so good. It was a little surprise, but I think it might be a move in the right direction. Tonight, I'm declaring 2020 for the year of the worker in Wisconsin. Governor Tony Evers in his State of the State Address Tuesday echoing a theme of the workforce. Former President Donald Trump wins another contest and tells his followers in New Hampshire about November. If we don't win, I think our country is finished. Bring it, Donald. Show me what you got. Three regents have told me you floated resigning if that deal failed. Were they mistaken? As much as I'd like to clarify that whole issue, it would be inappropriate for me to, to say anything about what happened in a closed session. Here in this open session, would you want to resign? or no? (laughs) (laughs) Very funny. (laughs) See, Eric, that was your question. Now it goes to Corey, I think, right? So there we go. You can elaborate if you want. That's my question! Joe Barry not returning as the Packers defensive coordinator next season. Kent Lovern, he's the chief deputy district attorney for the county of Milwaukee. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Steve. You're here today because you're running for the big job, district attorney for the County of Milwaukee. Public safety is top of mind for everyone in Milwaukee County right now. Everyone deserves to live safely in their communities. From the WDTMJ Breaking News Center in the city of Milwaukee, after decades of fighting over the future of Northridge Mall, has now gained court approval to take ownership of the property. My understanding is that we're in the clear. The city now has ownership of the former mall and can move forward with this. Hello, Wisconsin. President Joe Biden speaking at a brewery at the base of the Blatnick Bridge, a route he calls critical to the U.S. economy. Kenneth Smith said tonight Alabama causes humanity to take a step backwards. Instead of a needle injecting lethal drugs into his veins and oxygen, 
oxygen mask pumping pure nitrogen was placed over Kenneth Eugene Smith's face. For about two minutes following that, Kenneth Smith shook and rides uh, for about two minutes on a gurney. Following that, his breath slowed until it was no longer perceptible. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen visiting Milwaukee Friday. No reason right now why there would be a recession this There's year. no obvious reason why there would be. Happy birthday to Mr. Baseball, Bob Euchre. When I hear the name Bob Euchre, an instant smile comes to my face. When I was covering the Brewers for Fox Sports Wisconsin, I wanted to avoid an exchange with Bob Euchre that had us going, Bob, Bob. The first thing I think of when I hear the name Bob Euchre is the movie Major League. I was actually cast in the movie. And when I went home to tell my parents, my dad said, well, who's in the movie? And I said, Bob Euchre. And he went, Bob Euchre. Get up. Get up. Get out of here. Go on. Whoa. I got bit by one, and I liked it. Oh, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, The weekend. And The weekend Review is sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. It's 8.39, coming up in just a couple minutes. Um, if you've ever scanned one of those QR codes, oh, before you do next time, you might want to hear this warning. It's all ahead of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Well, that fog we had earlier this morning is starting to burn off finally, but it's still going to be cloudy today with a high of 38. Clouds continue overnight down to 28 degrees. Then tomorrow, another cloudy day. There might be a glimpse or two of the sun with a 40-degree high. Um, Tuesday's when we get that chance of a rain and a you know, that, that snowy mix uh, early in the day. It'll be mostly cloudy. Uh, and then on Wednesday and Thursday, more clouds and temperatures in the low 40s. Right now in Sheboygan, we have 34 degrees. Tosa has 33. Delafield's at 32. We have 35 degrees at WTMJ at 842. Well, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but you know those QR codes that pop up and they say, just scan this and we'll go right to the website of the business you're looking for? Well, not so fast. You may want to think before you click onto that one. And joining us on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline is Michelle Reinen from DATCAP, our consumer expert. And Michelle, tell us about these fake QR codes we're seeing. You know, as something becomes popular, scammers are going to grab on and find their way to take advantage of it. I mean, QR codes are used to track packages, restaurant menus, maybe pay for parking, concerts, sporting events, boarding a flight. So it's all over. So, of course, scammers are going to take advantage. They are posting fake QR codes, sometimes in place of legitimate ones by putting a sticker over a legitimate ones. And they misdirect you to their website instead of the legitimate one and gather and collect your information so they can get more data about you. If they are sending you a phishing email that has a QR code to have you use that to get your package to you, that fake shipping email with the QR code, they're there just again collecting your personal information. So all sorts of variations that we are seeing with scammers presenting fake QR codes to get you to their website instead of the legitimate location. So what do you do before you click onto one of these QR codes? Is there something you should check or is there a way to make sure you don't get a fake one? There's a couple things you can do. Inspect the URL 
URL or the web address before entering in any information if you've gone to that QR code website. The other thing you can do is just take a look. When you open your camera and look at the QR code, it's going to show you where you're going. Be leery of shortened website links where it doesn't completely tell you where to go. And if it's a website that you can get to on your own, don't use the QR code. Enter the address yourself without using that shortening link that could very well take you to the imposter website. And you can also install a QR scanner with added security. So some antivirus companies have QR scanner apps that check the safety of a scan link before you open it, and they can identify these phishing scams, any forced app downloads, or any other dangerous links. So if you're a high-volume QR code user, this might be a very valuable tool for you. If you think that you might be taken advantage of or you want more information about these fake QR codes, let's give the hotline for the Wisconsin Consumer Protection. 1-800-422-7128. It's 845. You're a minute away from sports with Matt Slosser. Bucks finished the second Joe Prunty era 2-1 with a 141-117 win over New Orleans. The, our, our players are high character uh Obviously, very talented, but high character, high quality individuals that, as we've said all along, uh, step in, be ready, do your job, and do it to the best of your ability. Bucks interim head coach Joe Prunty, Giannis led the way with 30 points, Damian Lillard closed with 26. Up next, the Bucks travel to take on the defending champion Denver Nuggets Monday night for the first game under the direction of new head coach Doc Rivers. Coverage on WTMJ starts at 7.30. Marquette trailed by six late in the first half before a 56-32 run led to a 75-57 win over Seton Hall. To play at this level, to win at this level is hard. We're going to continue to have challenges. Um, Sometimes human nature dictates that you'd like it to be easy, um, but that's just not the case here. And I think we've got a group of guys that, for the most part, are owning that and you know, really, really deciding we're going to do this for each other. And we need some good fortune, you know, to get – get a couple of guys that are out back healthy and, you know, be able to, to go at it with, obviously, Sean's out for the rest of the year, but, but with everybody else at 100%. Marquette head coach Shaka Smart up next. They visit Villanova on Tuesday night. Tip-off on 94.5 ESPN is scheduled for six. It's championship Sunday in the NFL. In the AFC championship, the Kansas City Chiefs continue their quest to repeat as Super Bowl champions against the Baltimore Ravens, who haven't made the big game in 11 years. The winner of that game awaits the victor of the NFC championship game between the San Francisco 49ers, who defeated Green Bay last week, and the Detroit Lions, who seek their first Super Bowl appearance in franchise history. I'm Matt Sossler, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Matt. It's 35 degrees at 848 on WTMJ. Coming up next, it's Matt Miller with those Oscar nominations. Was Barbie snubbed? We'll find out what he thinks. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. I'm just kidding. It's time to check in with media critic and pop culture editor at onmilwaukee.com. It's our own Matt Miller. And Matt, I think a lot of people are reeling because Barbie, probably for the first time ever, has been snubbed. <laughs> this is wild. The, the movie got eight nominations on Tuesday morning. It did not get snubbed. It, it is one of the most nominated movies of the year. 
And the two people that people are upset who didn't get nominated, Margot Robbie uh, in Best Actress and Greta Gerwig in Best Director, are nominated. Margot Robbie is nominated as a producer in Barbie, and Greta Gerwig is nominated uh, for screenplay for Barbie. So there's a lot of commotion right now trying to come to the defense of people who are in a highly nominated movie and that have nominations. And I know a lot of people are pointing to the, uh, Ken gets nominated, but Barbie doesn't. But they're in two different categories. It's not like they voted, the voting blocks voted Ken, uh, voted Ryan Gosling over Margot Robbie. There was just, frankly, a lot more room in the Best Supporting Actor category as opposed to the Best Actress category, which is really, really loaded this year. And in general, I, I will say the Oscars don't tend to go for blockbuster comedy performances. They just generally don't. And that also counts for director, too. You know, Top Gun Maverick didn't get nominated for Best Director last year. A lot of big movies just don't get nominated for those awards because the Oscars can kind of be genre biased against blockbusters and against especially against comedies. And against, well, of course, it has to do with the patriarchy, too. But <laughs> a little bit, but impo important to note, a woman, it would have been great, but a woman did get nominated for Best Director this year. It is not an all-male lineup. Justine Trier for Anatomy of a Fall did get nominated this year uh, for Director. And obviously, Margot Robbie didn't get nominated for Best Actress, but five women did. So it's not like it's uh, she got snubbed so a guy could get over. And important to note, America Ferreira from Barbie also got a kind of surprise nomination for Best Supporting Actress. So Barbie is the fourth most nominated movie. <laughs> you know, it, it has eight nominations. It did really well. The Oscars like the movie. They like the women behind the movie. They've nominated Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig and America Ferreira and Billie Eilish, whose song was also nominated. Listen, I would have nominated them. But it's not wholly unsurprising that they would not nominate uh, performances, comedic performances in a blockbuster movie in some categories. That's just right. not the stuff they tend to go for. So what movies are there? Yeah, so you're obviously, your, your front runner right now is Oppenheimer. Uh, that led the nominations with 13 on Tuesday morning. Uh, I, I have a hard time seeing anyone getting the momentum needed to knock that one off. A, first of all, it was a big movie. People loved it. It's, it's arguably Christopher Nolan's best movie. And that's part of it, too, is that Christopher Nolan has never won an Oscar before, despite, you know, all the big, you know, hit movies he's made and all of the beloved uh, films he's made over his career, Inception, Dark Knight, you know, all these movies. Um, he's never won before, so I think this is going to be kind of the official anointing of, of him and, and kind of giving him these awards. And also, Oppenheimer is a tremendous movie that I think uh, tells a, an incredible story. Um, so, but I, I, you also have The Holdovers, which is a really great movie. Killers of the Flower Moon got a ton of nominations as well. I think Lily Gladstone will probably win Best Actress uh, for that movie. Um, uh, you've got the two kind of international movies with The Zone of Interest and Anatomy of a Fall, which uh, one's kind of a legal drama and one is a Holocaust drama, but done in a very different, very, very unique, very arguably disturbing way. 
Um, hopefully that one comes to Milwaukee at some point. For some odd reason, the distributor is being very coy about releasing their Best Picture nominee. Um, but yeah, so it's a really good slate of movies this year, and also Maestro. You mentioned American Fiction, and that movie very quietly has just now come about. And Jeffrey Wright has been nominated as Best Actor. That looks like an interesting film. Does it have a chance for either him to win Best Actor or even to sneak through as a surprise with the Best Picture? I think this is kind of going to be a uh, the nominations are the win situation for American Fiction. It's a smaller movie. For those who don't know, it's a movie about a black author who gets frustrated with kind of the cliche stereotypes that are being peddled in this industry. So he writes the most cliche stereotype race, racist driven book ever. And that turns into a hit. Um, I, I think it, it's a small movie and it's also not that much about the satire. It's mostly a family drama, honestly. And then the satire kind of sits around the family drama um, but it's really good. I think people are really happy that Jeffrey Wright has finally gotten an Oscar nomination. He's put in such great work, uh, mostly as a supporting character over the years. So it's really nice to see him finally get appreciation. I, I think there's just a lot of heavy hitters and best actor this year. You've got Killian Murphy and Oppenheimer. You've got Paul Giamatti in The Holdovers, who is also, this is only his second Oscar nomination. And weirdly enough, wow. the first one wasn't for Sideways. Um, so there is a feeling that, like, you know, he's maybe due for an Oscar. And uh, that's a big part of winning an Oscar is your narrative. Um, he's got a good one. Uh, he is overdue for a win. So, but yeah, so it, it's just a tough category. But, you know. That's the beauty of the Oscar nominations. I know everyone hates awards season and thinks, you know, what's the point? And, oh, it's just silly. But the big thing about the Oscars is that it gives movies like American Fiction and Anatomy of a Fall and Poor Things, it gives them a spotlight. Because otherwise, do these dramas, do these, do these get a chance in theaters? I don't know. Do you think Bradley Cooper deserves that nomination? I don't. It, it, it's a good year for movies when Maestro is the worst of the Best Picture nominees, but it's also the, the worst of the Best Picture nominees. It's, it's a fine movie. It's some fine performances, but I, I, I don't know. That movie, to me, feels like one where the votes for it came in before anyone watched it. You know, everyone saw the pedigree and saw what it was about, and they were like, ooh, that seems like a movie that should get nominated for Oscars. And then everyone watched it, and, and they were like, oh, okay, it's fine. Any any surprises in the supporting categories real quick? Best supporting uh, actor, best supporting actress? Not a bunch of huge surprises. Uh, America Ferreira getting in for Barbie was a little bit of a surprise, but that speech became such a touchstone in that movie that I think it's not surprising that they would want to nominate her for, you know, kind of delivering the, the monologue of the year. Um, and then Sterling K. Brown getting in for American Fiction. That was kind of a surprise as well. Uh, very much deserved all. And, uh, you know, I, I just love seeing more Sterling K. Brown in my life. He's a great performer, as anyone who saw This Is Us can attest. So, uh, honestly, it's a really strong slate of nominees this year. It's, it's funny that there's been so much, you know, pearl clutching over this year's nominees when, honestly, it's really hard to find bad nominees this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you'll keep us posted. When are the when are the Oscars being televised? Early March, I believe it's March tenth. I want to say. 
All right. Well, we'll get your predictions a little closer uh, to that date. Matt Miller, always great to have you here. Thanks for having me. It's 8.58, 35 degrees at WTMJ. When we get back after the news with Jessica, we're going to talk about museums. Debbie Lazig has taken a deep dive at that. But what was your favorite museum when you were growing up? Well, ask Jessica. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. And welcome back to Hour 2. And a little bit later on this hour, we're going to be talking with WTMJ's Sandy Mack. She's got a trip to Ireland. I can't wait to hear about where they're going to be going. And also, we're going to tell you what the most favorite and the least favorite dog breeds in the state of Wisconsin are. But before we do anything else, Jessica, thanks for sticking around because um, I know, and, and we're going to get to this in just a minute, but Debbie Lazica has been taking a look at the uh, museums around town and, and how much they mean to the community. What was your favorite museum when you were a kid? When Did you enjoy going to any particular ones? Oh gosh. Yeah. My family went to a lot of museums. Um, but then there was also all, like school field trips. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like the public museum is probably one of my earliest memories. I like loved the butterfly room so much. <laughs> oh, the butterfly room. How about you, Isaac? What were your favorite museums when you were a kid? I also loved the public museum and the uh, Minneapolis Science Museum that's up there. Ah, see, now, I grew up in northern Indiana, so, and we had six kids. We never went on vacations. The big day was one day in the summer, my mom and dad would take us to the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but I mean, this is a world-class museum. Um, they, and I don't even know if this still exists there, but they had a German U-2 submarine that was in the museum that was captured during World War II. And you used to be able to go inside of that. Then they also had this thing where you'd go down in a coal mine. It, 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 and I, those memories as a kid, they stay, they've stayed with me all these years. And it, it really is a fantastic thing to do with young people, especially, you know, since they're all tapped into their cell phones and their video games and computer screens. And getting to go to some of these museums for that hands-on experience is so important. And this week, as uh, you know, uh, the museum days in southeastern Wisconsin have been taking place. Now it ends today. But Debbie Lazaga took a look at a couple of art museums with plenty of history. So you're driving along Lincoln Memorial Drive and you look way up the hill and you see this Italian Renaissance villa? Not what you'd expect to see along Lake Michigan in southeast Wisconsin. Lloyd and Agnes. She means Lloyd and Agnes Smith of A.O. Smith fame. They traveled to Italy together and Agnes saw the wonderful Renaissance style villas there and she said, Lloyd, I want one and I want it in Wisconsin. Marketing director for Villa Terrace, Caroline Daniker, sat down with me and gave me the load down on this location as well as the Charles Alice Art Museum. We'll get to that one in a minute. They came back and they commissioned David Adler to build them a Renaissance style Italian villa and that's how we get Villa Terrace Art Museum. And in the 40s there is this transition. Lloyd passes away, Agnes moves out of the home. It sits empty relatively for most of the year. So when she hears that 
the war memorial needs more space for its art. She says, well, I have this beautiful empty home which exemplifies craftsmanship. I'm going to donate my home to become an art museum. And the rest, as they say, is history. We do have a historic decorative arts collection, and then we host contemporary craft and decorative arts exhibitions throughout the year. Not only that, but it's one of the premier wedding venues in the city. But Italian Renaissance? Here? Why Wisconsin? <laughs> well, they're based here. Lloyd works for the A.O. Smith Company. The family had two properties. And David Adler looks at these and he goes, well, if you fell in love with the Mediterranean, then obviously we're choosing the site that's on the bluffs of Lake Michigan. Well, what about the Charles Alice Art Museum? And Charles and Sarah Alice, they were incredibly wealthy industrialists and socialites with interest in art. The name may sound familiar in terms of West Alice. That's right. It's that Charles Alice of Alice Chalmers fame. They were incredible art collectors. So they were in love with art and they built their home to be an art museum. They built it knowing that they were going to give it to Milwaukee someday. So both locations were private homes and both collections were donated to the city of Milwaukee to give the citizens the opportunity to learn even more about culture. There's art to be seen in Wisconsin. And when you see that art, it reflects our community. It reflects our history. It reflects the peoples who have lived here. That's where we're seeing. And Museum Days is a chance if you haven't taken that chance before to take advantage and see the city, see what it has to offer and really experience the culture and the arts available here. So don't miss out on checking out these beautiful spaces. It's a pretty good deal. We act uh, traditionally on the idea of admission reciprocity. So you buy a ticket to one museum, you get admission to the other. So admission is typically $15. You can now get in for five. And then of course, children 12 and under are always free at our museums. So it's a great, very affordable family adventure. Debbie Lazaga, WTMJ News. Again, uh, Museum Week ends today. Museum Days in southeastern Wisconsin. So many to take advantage of. But uh, we, hey, Jess, we've got a, uh, a reply here from one of our uh, fans on the talk and text line. And they say that the submarine and the coal mine are still at the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. So if you haven't been there, you've got a chance now. I was going to say, I think I might have to add this to my list for Chicago. Oh, Oh, it definitely, you know what, I mean, that's, you forget, I mean, Milwaukee's fabulous, and we've got some great museums, but Chicago um, is right there on par with some of the major cities, yeah. not just in the United States, but in the world as far as their museums, and that's just a short ride away on the train, or if you want to battle traffic, good luck to you. Anyway, Jessica, uh, thanks for sharing your experiences, it sounds like a great thing, and I know you are excited to hear what the most favorite and the least favorite dog breeds are. In this in South in uh, Wisconsin. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. What do What do you think the favorite's going to be? Well, I feel like Lab is an e- a pretty safe guess for favorites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and least favorite? I don't know. I I don't I don't I don't want to offend any dogs out there. <laughs> <laughs> Very safe answer, Jessica. All right. Well, we're going to have the answer to that coming up after the 9.30 news. And uh, here at 914, you're just two minutes away from Matt Sosser and Sports on WTMJ. After a double-digit loss Friday night, the Bucks responded with the 141-117 win over New Orleans. Really proud of the guys. Uh, and, and when I say, I mean, you know, the entire team. 
the response was really good. Uh, you know, the questions from beforehand, just talking about why is it that way or whatever, uh, you know, why the, the record. And, you know, look, every game, like I said, takes on its own identity. Uh, but that's the character and, like I said, the competitiveness of the guys. And it was a tremendous response. Bucks interim head coach Joe Prunty. Giannis led the way with 30 points. Damian Lillard closed with 26. Up next, the Bucks travel to take on the defending champion Denver Nuggets Monday night for the first game under the direction of new head coach Doc Rivers. Coverage on WTMJ starts at 7.30. Marquette sophomore Ben Gold matched a season high of nine points, coupled with three double-digit scorers in Marquette's 75-57 win over Seton Hall. I think Ben Gold deserves a ton of credit the last couple games, just taking on a, an expanded role that you know I, I felt for a while that he was ready for. And he, he hasn't blinked, and he's been terrific on the defensive end uh, in both of these games, and obviously doesn't hurt when he makes three threes. Marquette head coach Shaka Smart, the Golden Eagles trailed by six late in the first half before Gold ignited a 56-32 run over the last 24 minutes. Up next, they visit Villanova on Tuesday night. Tip-off on 94.5 ESPN is scheduled for six. It's Championship Sunday in the NFL. In the AFC Championship, the Kansas City Chiefs continue their quest to repeat as Super Bowl champions against the Baltimore Ravens, who haven't made the big game in 11 years. The winner of that game awaits the victor of the NFC Championship game between the San Francisco 49ers, who defeated Green Bay last week, and the Detroit Lions, who seek their first Super Bowl appearance in franchise history. I'm Matt Sossler, WTMJ Sports. But the big questions, Matt, are, first of all, is Taylor going to be at the game? with the Chiefs, and is Jason Kelsey going to take his shirt off again this week? That was one of the funniest things I have ever seen at that game last week. Um, I'll tell you, those Kelsey brothers, they are a trip. I bet they have some really fun family parties. All right, it is uh, 918 on WTMJ. We're up to 36 degrees. We're going to have your forecast. And also, uh, let's see, Sandy Max takes a look at the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. That's all coming up right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Well, we're going to have a lot of clouds this week. I mean, it's just it's late January, early February get those gray days it seems like they're never going to end our our high temperature is going to be about 38 degrees and then tonight it looks like um there's a little bit more wind and some cooling which means overnight we're going to be down to 28 degrees and that means of course a lot of the snow is going to melt and then it's going to freeze again and then guess what it's going to be really slippery tomorrow morning uh when you get up and Go out and walk out and get the newspaper or you're going to work, so you want to be really careful tomorrow morning on your drive-in. It does get warmer tomorrow, up to 40 degrees under partly cloudy skies. Maybe, just maybe, a glimpse of the sun. Then on Tuesday, it looks like early, early in the morning, a chance of rain and a snowy mix. It'll be mostly cloudy. That high is only going to be 38 degrees. Wednesday and Thursday, more clouds. the low 40s. It's just, you know, I, I guess this beats having another 12 or 14 inches of snow. Uh, let's see. Let's look at those temperatures around southeastern Wisconsin. Brookfield right now, you've got a little bit of a chance of flurries right now. 33 degrees. Oak Creek, you're at 35. Port Washington has 34. And we're up to 36 degrees at WTMJ at 922.
The following is a paid presentation. Advice and opinions expressed during the Sunday sip are solely that of the hosts or guests and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. Good morning, I'm Sandy Max, and this is the Sunday Sip. I am so pleased to welcome Greater Milwaukee Foundation Vice President of Development and Philanthropic Services, Kristen Meckhamson. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Sandy. It's great to be here. And tell us a little bit about Greater Milwaukee Foundation's mission and your role there. The Greater Milwaukee Foundation is how Milwaukee works together. We're a convener and a grant maker. I have the privilege of serving as the Vice President of Development and Philanthropic Services, which is essentially working most closely with our donors and professional advisors and those who are looking to invest in the foundation and in the community. We have been around since 1915, and we are at the heart of Milwaukee's civic community. So we're the largest community foundation in Wisconsin and among the first established in the world. That's over 100 years of doing good deeds and making the city better. In partnership with so many. It is really, truly a community. And the foundation just closed the Greater Together campaign. Can you explain what the Greater Together campaign what the purpose is. Absolutely. So the campaign has really been a tool for us to help achieve our vision to build a Milwaukee for all, which is grounded in our generational commitment to advance racial equity and inclusion in Milwaukee. The campaign ran from 2017 to 2023. We had an ambitious goal of $700 million, and we had strategic priorities around health equity, economic opportunity, educational opportunity, as well as housing, those areas that our community has prioritized. And so we have prioritized in partnership with our donors. And how do you decide those priorities? That's a really great question. So as a convener, the Greater Milwaukee Foundation really focuses on grounding our priorities in data where, you know, we can have clear objective understanding of where the need is, as well as community insight, right? So we've spent years talking with um, everyone across the community from residents to community leaders, you know, donors, other funders, government to really understand where those greatest needs are and how to co-create solutions to create a Milwaukee for That's a great way to build ownership as well if you're going to speak to the needs and desires because so many people do want to help. They want to make sure that their money is going in the right direction to actually fund something that can be useful and impactful. Exactly. And and I think that's our greatest strength is our relationships, right? So our network, and again, it's across so many, we have an ability to bring all voices to the table to determine how do we best deploy our resources for immediate need, but also for long into the future. Because our goal is to, like you said, make sure that folks have a stake in the work and the solutions so that everyone is really committed to driving long-term solutions. Which is better than Band-Aids. Exactly. So what's in store for 2024 for the Greater Milwaukee Foundation? Well, this is a very exciting year at the foundation. Probably the most visible and, and most exciting thing is that we are going to be opening Thrive on King, which is a partnership with the Medical College of Wisconsin, Royal Capital Group, and Community 
residents in Harambe, Burr's Hill, and Halyard Park. And Thrive on King is a building. It's the former Gimbel Schuster's building on Martin Luther King Drive. History and right there. Exactly. And so it's really a catalytic redevelopment. The building, of course, is the centerpiece. GMF is moving our corporate headquarters there. The medical college will have five community-facing centers there. And the community has partnered with the foundation and our other partners to determine what will be on the first floor. So it will be a community hub with um, services, other partners, all based in and informed by the community that we're moving into. And what's the intersection there? Martin Luther King Jr. Drive and... Garfield and Lloyd are the two other streets that, you know, um, and then Velar Phillips uh, to the west. Yeah. And I love that art is going to be a part of the first floor of Thrive on King. Yes. Right now it's, you know, we're just imagining, but we have been deep in uh, partnership with uh, community and so many partners on this. And I think what's really exciting is art in our original visioning sessions and feedback sessions with the community. Art was featured prominently. Folks were saying we would like the um, the building to represent the history and the culture and the art of this neighborhood of Bronzeville. And so not only were we able to bring that to life, but for community members and partners to be driving this, there was a review panel made up of artists and community members who have selected the different pieces and the commissions, right? So there'll be murals, textiles, sculpture, everything you can think of. And there are 21 artists who have ties to the neighborhood uh, that will be represented and in that first floor. Again, truly building community. Mm-hmm. And with your space being based there, your headquarters, it'll be a stimulating space for you to really feel like you're connected to Bronzeville now. And that's really been our goal all along, right? The community foundation is by, of, and for community. And it's really important for us to be embedded in community. Um, we understand that we are coming in. You will be the new neighbors. The community has existed for a long time. And it's really our goal to be connected and engaged in ways that, you know, helps for continual thriving in that space. What else do you have in store for 2024? Well, we will continue to focus on our building our vision of a Milwaukee for all so you'll certainly hear from the foundation, you know, how do we continue to make good on the promises of recentering community, reimagining philanthropy, remaking systems, uh, making sure that we're taking a breath and asking folks, how are we doing? And then, of course, we'll be celebrating the campaign. So results will be forthcoming very soon. And I think we'll have a lot to celebrate this year uh, based on the generosity of so many. Oh, thank you for the great work that you do. How can people get involved with the foundation if they're interested in what you're doing? Great question. So first thing I would say is when we open this year, please come see us at Thrive on King. This is a welcoming space. We want to see everyone there. Philanthropy is for everyone. So there are opportunities for everyone to support the community through time, talent, treasure, or ties through the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. Um, And of course, you can follow us on social media and visit the greatermilwaukeefoundation.org to learn more and connect. And when will Thrive on King be opening? This spring. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Greater Milwaukee Foundation Vice President of Development and Philanthropic Services, Kristen Meckhamson. Thank you, Sandy. And Sandy's going to be back with us in about 20 minutes to talk about that big trip to Ireland. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News, 36 degrees at 929 on WTMJ. Welcome back to the final half hour of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. A little bit later on, we've got Sandy Max joining us from What's on Tap. She's going to tell us what's on tap 
in Ireland. That's all ahead right here on WTMJ. It is 936 and uh, 36 degrees. As you're looking into those big brown eyes this morning, certainly that is your favorite dog. But what about the rest of Wisconsin? Well, joining us is Alexandria Kramer. She is with Forbes Advisor. They recently did a survey determining what the favorite dog breeds of every state are. And she's got the results right here in Wisconsin. And Alexandria, tell us about it. Let's start at number 10. What's the 10th most favorite dog right here in Wisconsin? So the 10th most favorite dog in Wisconsin is going to be Beagles, which ranks sixth overall nationally. Let's count them down. Number nine. Number nine, we have Yorkshire Terriers and Shih Tzus, both tying at number nine. And then we have Boston Terriers, followed by Labrador Retrievers. Coming in fifth is Boxers. And then we have a tie for third place with Bulldogs and Siberian Huskies. Second place is German Shepherd Dogs. And then the first place spot goes to Golden Retrievers, ranking as the top dog in Wisconsin. So if you've got a Golden Retriever, you're with a lot of other people right here in our area. Now, tell us about some of the other statistics that you found while you were compiling this list. Apparently, you found out that one out of five respondents said their dogs were a gift. Yes, that is correct. So we did ask over 10,000 dog owners in America um, how they became the owners of their dogs, and nearly one in five, so 19%, reported being gifted their dog. Which that statistic didn't surprise me as much, but it was a bit surprising to see the variation between dog owners who adopted from a breeder, which was 36%, versus those who adopted from a shelter, which was 23%. I would have expected that statistic, I think, to be a little bit closer there. There were some surprising results with that question. Now, also, what are some of the things that make a person decide which breed of dog they want to adopt? Great question. So the majority of respondents chose their favorite dog breed based on currently or previously owning this breed. That was 52%. However, 50% of respondents um, selected their favorite breed based on believing that this breed would be a good companion. For Wisconsin specifically, both of those remain true. And then coming in as the third place response for why dog owners selected their favorite breed is just believing that that breed is really cute. (laughs) Well, I think we all think our dogs are really, really cute. What about the least favorite dogs though? Because I know that, you know, in addition to doing the most favorite dogs, you did take a look at the breeds that are the least popular and you have the three least popular dog breeds in Wisconsin as well. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a tie for the least favorite dog breeds in Wisconsin among Havanese, Cane, Corsos, as well as Miniature Schnauzers. So all three of those breeds tied for the bottom ranking spot in Wisconsin specifically. Did that surprise you? Not too much. I think Havanese was the least ranking breed overall nationally, so that one didn't surprise me too much. However, the miniature schnauzers, I just think that those are so adorable, so um, that one surprised me a little bit there. Finally, and I just experienced it this week. We've got an adoption that we have, our dog Migo, and he got sick this week and we ended up spending almost $500 just to get him through a little gastrointestinal issue. Now, I regret it. We don't have pet insurance, but part of what you do in your survey is you determine whether or not it's a good idea for people to get pet insurance for their dogs. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely relate. So having insurance on them in case something like what you're talking about happens is absolutely important, in my opinion, at least. We have pet insurance on both of our dogs that we pay monthly, and it's just kind of a peace of mind. I mean, our dogs are a part of our family. I believe 85% of dog owners consider dogs a part of their family, and you take care of your family. So the best way to do that is to make sure that they're insured. And I know that you found out some of the dog breeds that are most inclined for those health issues, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And there are definitely different dog breeds that have different health concerns, which is uh, labeled in our report that you can definitely read more about for specific breeds if you're interested in adopting a certain one. And where's that report at, Alexandria? Yeah, so you can go to ForbesAdvisor.com and look up uh, favorite dog breeds by state, and then you can find the favorite dog breeds nationally, as well as in your state, as well as the bottom ranking breeds. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. My email address is a Kramer. that's C-R-E-M-E-R, at ForbesAdvisor.com. I'd be happy to help. Alexandria, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I hope you all have a wonderful day. And, uh, yeah, can you believe the least favorite dog, miniature schnauzers? That's that's what you were wondering about, Jessica. But the favorite, of course, it's got to be a golden retriever. All right, it is 941 on WTMJ. Coming up, we've got a little peek at what's going to happen on Conversations at 11 o'clock this morning. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. 43 and 36 degrees at WTMJ. There's some snow flurries in various communities around southeastern Wisconsin. That's going to go away after a little while, but uh, it's going to be cloudy all day. Well, you raise your family in a beautiful home in the suburbs, and you think it could never happen to you. George Moore Brookfield shares the story of his son's addiction. His addiction problem started in high school when he was prescribed a opioid for a sports injury. He got caught up in all that. He started to use uh, opioids socially. We also found out that in the 2000s, he attended uh, New Berlin West High School, and um, a lot of the parties had alcohol and Oxycontin and a lot of prescription opioids because that's when the whole opioid epidemic was raging. He went off to college at UWM, double major, finance and accounting, continued his habit, misusing. We found out also later that he actually tried to be clean in college and went to a methadone clinic in the inner city. It worked for a couple years, but somehow he relapsed and started in again. You can hear my entire conversation with George Moore talking about how his son lost his life to opioids and also the risks young people buying these pills on the street face. That's all this morning at 11 o'clock, right after the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show. It's 9.45, coming up in one minute. Matt Sossler in sports on WTMJ. Bucks finished the second Joe Prunty era 2-1 with a 141-117 win over New Orleans. The, our, our players are high character, uh, obviously very talented but high character, high quality individuals that, as we've said all along, uh, step in, be ready, do your job, and do it to the best of your ability. Bucks interim head coach Joe Prunty, Giannis led the way with 30 points, Damian Lillard closed with 26. Up next, the Bucks travel to take on the defending champion Denver Nuggets Monday night for the first game under the direction of new head coach Doc Rivers. Coverage on WTMJ starts at 7.30. Marquette trailed by six late in the first half before a 56-32 run led to a 75-57 win over Seton Hall. To play at this level, to win at this level is hard. We're going to continue to have challenges. Um, Sometimes human nature dictates that you'd like it to be easy, um, but that's just not the case here. And I think we've got a group of guys that, for the most part, are owning that and you know, really, really deciding we're going to do this for each other. And we need some good fortune, you know, to get – get a couple of the guys that are out back healthy and, you know, be able to 
to go at it with obviously Sean's out for the rest of the year, but but with everybody else at 100 percent. Marquette head coach Shaka Smart up next. They visit Villanova on Tuesday night. Tip off on 94.5 ESPN is scheduled for six. It's championship Sunday in the NFL. In the AFC Championship, the Kansas City Chiefs continue their quest to repeat as Super Bowl champions against the Baltimore Ravens, who haven't made the big game in 11 years. The winner of that game awaits the victor of the NFC Championship game between the San Francisco 49ers, who defeated Green Bay last week, and the Detroit Lions, who seek their first Super Bowl appearance in franchise history. I'm Matt Sossler, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Matt. Hey, if you go back to my conversation with Jessica Gatso here at the beginning of the hour, we were talking about favorite museums as a kid. Well, uh, one of our uh, fans on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line said that you can also tour uh, and see a German U-boat at the Maritime Museum in Manitowoc. I don't know. I didn't know that. I might want to go up there. All right. And uh, speaking of all the things you can tour, how about a trip to Ireland? Well, WTMJ Sandy Max is going to join us in just a couple minutes right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Well, we're going to have some cloudy skies today, only getting up to about 38 degrees. There are even some snow flurries throughout southeastern Wisconsin right now. 35 degrees at WTMJ at 951. I hear some Irish music, and that can only mean one thing. Our own Sandy Max from What's on Tap is here in the studio. And Sandy, I, you know, you are so on top of things going on throughout southeastern Wisconsin. I mean, if you want to know about anything, you have it on What's on Tap. I try to be. Oh, oh my gosh. (laughs) What a great show that is. Oh, thank you. What are some of the things you've got coming uh, up this coming week? Actually, as we get ready for a few things, uh, Black History Month is coming up in February, and there are a couple of interesting things happening around the city and people who celebrate in interesting ways to, because you think Black History, it's not always uh, epic and going back to the 1800s. Uh, we've got Bronzeville, the neighborhood right here in Milwaukee, so ways to celebrate that. Uh, also, the Grammys are coming up next weekend, which a lot of people roll their eyes That's and go, right. yeah, whatever, but we have some great Wisconsin talent who are connected to that, including Cheryl Pavelski, who I went to Marquette with. And she has a record label called Omnivore Recordings that focuses on legacy recordings, preserving everybody from Buck Owens to reggae music. And she's nominated for a Stax record wow. collection. And if she wins, it'll be her third. Yeah. So Stax records? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Love Stax. So we'll check I in mean- with Cheryl and get her perspective. Yeah. And she's working with those artists and those demo tapes. So yeah. Yeah. So oh, that'll be part I- of what's on tap this week. Oh, and I'll be listening. Yay! All right. Now. But another thing, I speaking of what's on tap, it's got to be Guinness, <laughs> because you are going to Ireland, and is today or tomorrow the last day to sign Tomorrow's up the trip? deadline. This is the day-to-day oh. dream about it, and then book this trip tonight or tomorrow morning, because you're right, Guinness, I went in 2018 to Ireland, and, you know, is it true? Does Guinness really taste better there? It does. Mm. And the storehouse uh, was just ranked, like, one of the world's best attractions right there in Dublin where you get to see how it's made every single step of it and then they have I'll call it a penthouse tasting room at the top and full on taps and you can enjoy views of Dublin and as far as the eye can see Irish landscape while sipping on the perfectly poured pint 
and but the, and and that's interesting. You mentioned the perfectly poured ty- pint because there is a technique to how they do it, and they they explain it at yes. the, at, at Guinness. Yes, yeah. and you get the clover in there and everything. So oh. uh, yeah, Irish eyes are smiling. Sure tis like a morning in spring is how the song goes. And trade this gray for green. Come with me. It's a May trip, a nine-day vacation, and we're going to go to Galway, to Dublin, Kilkenny, the epic cliffs of Moher, where you look out across the <gasps> cliffs. Wait a minute. Yeah. I got to talk about that. Okay. Because when my husband and I were in uh, Ireland. Oh, wonderful. Back, so you've been. I've walked the cliffs of Moher, and let me tell you something. Hold on to your hats if you decide to walk <laughs> all the way out because it, it it gets a little scary because there's really nothing between you and the end of the cliffs. I mean, they've got kind of the easy path and the more I was going to say, yeah, you can, path. or you can just stay up by O'Brien's Tower, which is that highest point, that too. <laughs> and you can just look out. But yeah, the wind will whip you around, but it is stunning oh, to watch the is. Atlantic Ocean and these... I think they're like 700 feet tall cliffs. You've seen the photos, but you know how anything you can see a picture of or you can see it on TV on a documentary. It's not the same as being there. And it's just it's just stunning. So we'll definitely make sure you see the cliffs of Moher and 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 Dingle Peninsula. Yes. Which is, again, one of the most beautiful places on Earth. And it's where the Irish language is preserved. You're going to get the you're going to get the fun in Dublin, strolling in the pubs and all that kind of thing. And we'll go to Killarney and strolling Galway and hear buskers playing music. But this Dingle Peninsula is really where Irish history is. And it's a fishing port, so it's beautiful there. We're also going to Cove, which was the last port of call for the Titanic. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and that's where the Cove oh. Heritage Center is. So if you're Irish and proud of it, come along on this trip because you're going to learn a ton about Irish history right there. And honestly, in Cove... If you have Irish blood in you, it might be the last patch of land that your Irish ancestors stood on before coming to America. Well, you mentioned Killarney. That yeah. is a party town. <laughs> that we had so much fun in Killarney. I, <laughs> I am so glad. I don't know anyone who's gone to Ireland and came back and went, meh, it was okay. <laughs> I mean, the people are welcoming. It's just, and it's full of history and it's full of beauty. And when I say trade the gray for green, we're going we're gonna to get all the great landmarks and we're going to be in a coach so you can see the scenery we'll be able to get out and stroll and i'm going to tell you some of the coolest people listen to you on sundays on wtmj libby because when we talked last year about the england beatles trip that i hosted wtmj fan dave meister booked the trip and added so much fun to our group because he's such a beatles expert and kathy with two e's she's joining me again on this trip because she had such a great time on the english england trip with me and steve bertrand travel so this is one of those times where it's going to be a fun group, but if you're like, wait a minute, Libby was talking about walking on cliffs and getting close, don't <laughs> worry about it, because the fun part is, as much as we have some planned things and having a tour guide, who I already know is an authentic Irishman, I think his name is Tony, but we're going to have a great tour guide, but when you travel with us, the flight's included, the coach, the hotels, the breakfast, most of the dinners, but there's also the flexibility to do your own thing. And we had four people with knee surgeries on the last trip to England, and everybody kept up and had a great time. You can do this at your own pace, because I think sometimes you think, oh my gosh, she's going where? And it sounds like it's good. Like It's not booked every single minute. There's, oh. it's, a, it's a trip to enjoy. And I'm telling you, life's too short not to jump on the opportunities when they come your way. If you and have to, been yeah. dreaming about this, this is the time to go. Or all those special occasions. Maybe it's a retirement gift. Celebrate your birthday early or late or an anniversary trip or just 
Do it for yourself. Grab a travel buddy, a sibling, a parent. This is one of those kind of trips where you can make memories to last a lifetime and and just have a wonderful experience. Or grab a pal and, or travel solo. Yeah, and, and again, the people of Ireland are, are everything you would think they'd be. They're so very charming. Uh, we're almost out of time. Sandy, tell us where we need to go if we want more information. And again, the trip closes tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. And the easiest way... I've got an easy email, sandy at WTMJ.com, S-A-N-D-Y at WTMJ.com. You can even send me a note on your phone there, S-A-N-D-Y at WTMJ.com. Or call Steve Bertrand Travel, if that's easier, 847-606-6065. That's 847-606-6065. Of course, it's on WTMJ.com, too. But don't wait. This is one of those times where, what are you waiting for? Come join me. Let's Sandy. If not Sandy now, Banks, then when? <laughs> we're joining you every night with What's on Tap. Thanks, to Libby. Listen. Thanks for coming in this morning and coming up right after the news. It's Brian and David Wickard on the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show. You think the interest rates are high here in the United States? Wait until you hear what they are in Turkey. It's all ahead right here on WTMJ.